0: Welcome to This Week in L5R, the podcast dedicated to keeping you up to date with everything going on in the Legend of the Five Rings world. So this week I'm going to be going over the Lion Fiction. And for those of you who do not know, I actually started this podcast partway through, so I'm actually going back and doing some of the previous ones now. So I'm recording this with information and knowledge from week 11. I will be going over a lot of details about what is going on in the story. So I do recommend that you either read the story first or that you go and download the dramatic reading done by a podcast called The Table is Yours. Otherwise, there will be spoilers or things discussing, which may or may not make sense. All right, so this is a pretty good story. Not my favorite. It does have some interesting points of view. They're basically two scenes. First of all, the Lion Clan is attacking the Crane Clan at Toshi Ranbo. I went back and double checked this with the original fiction and in the old fiction, which may or may not be appropriate. It was originally a lion town that two years ago, the crane took away using some devious trickery. This currently seems appropriate and fits in with what is going on in the world setting. The point of view of the first half is from Matsu crazy. I know that the Matsu are definitely the brave and gung ho warriors How exactly this person is the clan leader and seems to have such a small grasp on basic concepts, surprise, etc. Seems a little bit unusual to me, but from her point of view, the crane reinforcing Toshi Ranbo is insolence. I find that to be an interesting phrasing. I just thought it was kind of weird. She also calls the Osari Plains contested. The Osari Plains are between two different castles of the crane clan, and also border on Osen Uchi, which is the Imperial City. The fact that that's contested I find really kind of odd, and it seems like Toshi Ranbo would not actually be a thing to be fighting over if that was being contested currently. And if so, why are every family daimyo of the Lion Clan outside of this, in this one attack? One of the things I thought was kind of unusual about this was the fact that Arasu, the clan champion before Tatori (laughs) spoilers he has been around the city for weeks it also says that he has siege weapons they're rams apparently they're nowhere actually near the walls a little fuzzy on what his logic is on this but you know whatever one of my favorite lines from this part is the Matsudaimyo talking about Tatori and her statement is as if thinking works Again, how this person became the daimyo of a family and survived for a long time doing it, a little bit beyond me. There are a number of interesting fight scenes going on at this part, and Arasu definitely comes off sounding like just absolutely phenomenal. One of the things, most of his awesome moves are against peasants. So the Lion Clan champion is good at killing peasants. That's what Ashigaru means, as a peasant warrior or servant warrior. Tatori was at the monastery before this, so it does make sense that he sees things in a more monk-like point of view. So a little bit of battlefield momentum I find kind of interesting. The Crane have a decent number of Ashigaru as their troops, which generally were either unarmored or lightly armored because they're peasants. You don't give them good armor. The Crane retreat, and the Lion Clan leaders talk about what to do form up the army, and then chase them down and successfully catch them. I'm not sure if anyone here has ever actually tried to chase down somebody who's running for their lives. Probably not likely that you're going to catch them if you are wearing heavier armor than they are. There was another amusing battlefield oddity. And no, no fault of the writer, there are a lot of people who not actually going through battlefield, or even battlefield sports, like the SCA or Belgarth, etc. A lot of things that you just take for granted don't actually play out the way that you think they do. Again, no fault of the author for not knowing these things, but there are a couple of aspects which did not really seem to work appropriately. The thing which I found the most challenging was the fact that as Matsu Suko is running towards the walls, she's counting and at 300 paces away, she identifies Hitaru coming out of the gates. Now this is on the other side of a fleeing army and other archers who are covering. Identifying a person at 300 paces is not exactly easy. In the middle of a battlefield, a lot worse. At 200 paces away, she can see fear on her face. I'm not too sure about that one either. For example, if, if you ever get really bored, Stand next to someone, walk 200 paces away, turn back and look at them, and see if you can identify what expression they're making. And unless they followed you, you probably can't actually tell. Then, whenever she does her final shooting and kills Arasu, it doesn't actually say how far out, but shooting someone in the eye successfully from 100 paces or more, either incredibly lucky or not very likely, especially a running target who's in the middle of a battle. Again, through her own troops. And it doesn't actually say that it's more than 100 yards. I'm just inferring that in the fact that it says, at 300 yards this happened, at 200 yards this happened, then tragedy. It would make sense that if it got to 100 yards, she would have said something. But, again, I do not actually know for sure. And I'm sure that somewhere there is a marksman who can do just that. After that, there's a lot of political talking a lot of the daimyos are going back and forth. And these are the family daimyos, and now Tatori, who's the the new clan champion, the daimyo of the entire clan. They're mostly arguing with Suko about being too rash. One of the things which is odd to me is now you see Tatori's ability to see the options and the outcomes. Every time the writer describes it, I feel like I'm watching a movie where it's kind of like going down all of these different options and channels. And so the visuals on it are amazing. I absolutely love it. In a way, it kind of reminds me of the beginning of the X-Men movies where they're going down the genetic evolutions. So Suko insults Tatori and Tatori says nothing. The family Damio, who calls her out for being rude gets shut down by Tatori. I thought that was kind of an unusual choice. So at the very end, there is the banner flying in the wind, and hopefully that is actually the mark of the character change, that, that final line. And this is the beginning of him actually becoming a active leader because leading the lion clan, it is good to have a lot of strategy and tactics, but you have to be proactive. So my breakdown on the conflicts are the external conflict is obviously lion fighting against crane, trying to get their land back or land that they view as theirs. Other fictions have the lion being the antagonist in a couple of the other stories, not necessarily to the same degree, but definitely still on the same wavelength. I find it interesting that so far the lion are considered the villains, or at least antagonistic to a number of the different clans, but the scorpion are only mentioned once as the rivals of the crane. I find that odd since the scorpion are normally mentioned as the villains of every story, whether they are or not. So the other external conflict is with themselves. They're playing up the conflict between the Matsu and the Okoto incredibly sharp right off the bat they did have some of this aspect in the old fiction but not to the same degree and i'm not sure of the direction they're taking on this but i personally like it it gives a lot of different options for both deck building options as far as the brash versus the tacticians but it gives a lot more variety inside the clan itself and i think that's a really good thing i really dislike the idea of any one-dimensional clans and this definitely has a lot of dimension to them. So the internal conflict is definitely about what is often referred to as analysis paralysis, where he sees so many different options. He doesn't know which ones to take because anyone that he chooses could be the wrong one. And here's the reason why, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things about Tatori is he never wanted to be a leader. He was actually a monk, even though he was the one who should have gotten it. It is said in the story that He was passed over for it. He says because he wasn't good enough, but um, I don't actually believe that to be true. But there is no sadness or regret about him being passed over, and he's off in a monastery. So I find that to be a neat aspect. He also has issues with self-doubt as well. And again, that ties into the analysis paralysis where there are too many options to truly know which is the best. And so he doubts himself to make the right decision. So I like this story It has really good flavor. I wish that there were more connections to the other clans. This does show the duality between the Crane and the Lion very well, but they are connected to a lot of other different clans as well. And I really wish that they would have touched on that just a little bit more. That is all for this week. Please tune in next week for the Lion Clan card previews. Please like and subscribe on Facebook, WordPress, SoundCloud, and anywhere else where you can find us. Music is Pray for Japan by Free Events Orchestra. This has been This Week in L5R. I am Shisuro Nasanaka. Thank you.